Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Chris Beasley, and Sam Carroll as we chew the fat over the big talking points at Goodison Park. And one place to start, uh, it's got a lot of people talking today. Um, the Echo today, we have run an exclusive two part interview with Marcel Brands, Everton's director of football, and covered a huge variety of topics, but obviously. His views and his vision and approach for the January transfer window is obviously the big talking point. Um, Preno, Marcel has said in, in the interview uh, in a number of ways that he it's unlikely at this stage. He's not planning for any signings in January. Are you comfortable with that approach? Is that the right way to, to approach the winter window? I'm very comfortable because of the reasons that are articulated by uh, Marcel. He's clearly a man who knows his own mind and has the courage of his own convictions. And like the, there are a number of, uh, you know, sort of phrases and paragraphs that like sort of jump out of that piece. Uh, but, you know, the one especially was uh, about uh, you only see clubs doing things in January because they're in trouble. It's clearly, you know, sort of a panic measure. It, it's not, you know, a calculated strategic measure. And, you know, we've criticised Everton's transfer strategy pre-Marcel Brands many, many times in this room from lacking strategy, from being like, you know, so a kid in a sweet shop, just like, so, you know, buying things left, right and centre. Clearly, that's not the case under Marcel Brands and Marco Silva. They do have much more of a focused strategy. <coughs> and so clearly, that's what, you know, they're looking forward to a long-term future. And, you know, if a player becomes available in January that fits the model that they're putting together, fine, they'll go for it then, even though there probably would be a premium to play. But it's not his strategy. He doesn't like to do things that way. He likes to do things in a, a very focused, strategic fashion. So that jumped out at me totally. Um, yeah, I'm comfortable. I mean, there are areas of the squad that could be improved in January. I mean, Marcel you know, references the 20-goal-a-season <laughs> striker himself, but also suggests how difficult it is to land you know, those kind of players in January especially. Um, we look at last season, we brought in, you know, an inverted comes to 20 goal a season striker in Cheng Tosin, who did okay, you know, so he, he hit the ground, you know, but I wouldn't came say at a premium, as you say. Well, exactly, came at a premium and then clearly isn't in the club's long-term plans. I know Marco said yesterday, you know, yes, of course, he has a future, but the fact he hasn't featured very much suggests it's only a, a peripheral future. Uh, so, no, I mean, the, the, there are areas of the squad that could be um, improved in January. But not at a price. I think we'll, he'll wait until the summer and he'll bring in the, the actual players that he physically wants that will be here for the long term and will improve the squad going forward. So, yeah, completely comfortable with that. And Chris, and just, just picking up on, on Preno there, referencing the last January window and, and perhaps more Tosin than, than Theo Walker. Or maybe some people would say that Theo would fall into this, this category. Marcel also said in the interview, if you see statistically... They're not the best transfers and you have to be careful. Is, is Again, is that something that you agree with and you're thinking, you know what, that is absolutely the right method? Or are you are you thinking, well, actually, I appreciate that, but I think there are areas that we could address in the winter window? Yeah, I, it's obvious that the big issue for Everton is, and it has been for a couple of years now, is, is the centre-forward issue. And 
you can't just go out and replace Romelu Lukaku because these statistics show that there aren't any like-for-like replacements out there. So that's the big issue for Everton bringing somebody in who can fill that role. But like we were saying, it, it's it's much more likely that they would get somebody of that ilk in the summer if they if they wait. They've they've just got to bide their time, and players tend to only become available in January if there's an issue, if they've fallen out with another club, maybe not, they're not doing the business for another club. So to get those those correct players, yeah, they're better waiting till the summer. And yeah, that both there's question marks over Tosin and for your Walcott. Um, did well at Burnley, um, but before that he'd be coming under a, a lot of pressure for his his performances and hadn't really uh, sort of got the sort of consistency that he'd shown over a period of time at Arsenal in his career. So yeah, there's a, there, there were question marks over those both those um, acquisitions from last January. Sam, how have you reacted to, to the to the um, to Marcel's words and, and and the strong hint, if not definitive, but a strong hint that that the club won't be doing any business or very unlikely to be doing any business uh, Bra- next Brands month. out, Phil. Yeah. Brands <laughs> out. <laughs> now, I think you'd be absolutely, uh, judging on what we did last year, you know, I think Walcott, decent, t- Tosin, decent, but, you know, everything Dave and, and Chris have, have said, totally sensible, and I don't think any right-minded Evertonian could potentially say that right now, you know, there's a, a gaping, massive hole in the squad that must be filled for us to achieve what we want to achieve this season. I think, Seventh place, still definitely on the cards. I think we were speaking about it at the match. Almost guaranteed <laughs> seventh place will give you Europa League football. Uh, the work they did in the summer, the brilliant work and, and, and that really exciting deadline day uh, has brought in enough quality uh, for us to definitely achieve that if if we play uh, the football that we're capable of, the football that we played against Burnley on Boxing Day. And it's nice to see that we've kind of left that gung-ho attitude of, of Walsh, Koeman, and maybe even since Mercedes came to the club in general, behind of picking players out of hats and picking players based on you know one or two performances and and not really judging things in the long term. I think every single player that's been brought into the club since Brands arrived and Silver arrived, you can kind of see the method behind it, the thinking behind it. And every time I've seen them play, even when they haven't had you know good games, you know even against Spurs for example, you can kind of see you know. These are young lads who, who will develop into 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 Sutton. So, yeah, I think it's exciting really as well. You know, t- take the time. I think one of the the standout things was how Brands wants to have a you know a close relationship with with his scout, his pitbull scout, as he calls mm-hmm. Greta Stanton. Uh, you know, and, and and that for me is quite exciting. That you know, for me as an Evertonian, I want them to take the time. You know, take the next six months, let the season unfold, keep these weekly reports going, and make sure then when we move again in the summer. Obviously, a lot of players will move out, and then when we're bringing in replacements, that these are the right men for Everton Football Club because we can't keep lashing twenty-seven mil on people. We can't keep lashing thirty million on wingers who who don't do it. And now, you know, this is a, is a key moment because you know not just for Everton themselves, but eventually Farhad Mashiri has got to say, "I want to see a bit of a bit of bang for my buck." Indeed, um, Prana, you brought up. This, this, I think it was your Chris brought up the striker issue and the fact that Marcel had referenced he's acknowledged that the, the you know a majority of the supporter base wants to see a striker. But what did you make of his comments when he actually said, "Well, it isn't about finding one player; it's about building a team where four, five, six players are capable of scoring every week, like Liverpool." You know, and and, and equally, what he said about protecting Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, and Luckman 
by not just going out and spending a load of money on a name and, and potentially ruining their development. It's, it's quite a confidence transfer strategy, that you know, because it, it's given young players the opportunity to breathe and you know and to develop as footballers. I mean, we've mentioned, well, I have mentioned a few times in this room about uh, how Dominic Calvert Lewin reminds me in some respects of a very young Graham Sharp who was like a late developer who you know certainly at the age of 23 was still striving for confidence and still looked like a player that could become a you know a great player eventually became the second highest goal scorer in the club's history but that happened because he was allowed to time to develop football was a very different landscape then nowadays you know if you don't do it you know very very quickly you jettison very you know almost immediately I'm thinking of you know what the younger players Kieran Dahl for example who's had a few opportunities and it doesn't look like he's going to become a, a regular you know first team footballer at Everton and so for but, and on Dahl you can tell us some news well yeah he's this. Yeah, literally, um, as we're sat here recording it, an email's just come through uh, informing us he's gone to Sheffield United on loan uh, for the rest of the season, which you know, sounds very similar to the loan he had last season at Nottingham Forest. Is he going to benefit any more from the that? Table, though, they are, you know, and he's going to get regular football, but will he show enough there to convince Everson that he's got a long-term future? I think it could be quite difficult to do that. But clearly the three players that you've mentioned there, Richarlison has been brought in, Adamola Luckman, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin are players that you know the the coaching staff have obviously identified great qualities in. I mean, Marco Silva talked about them yesterday. He says that Dominic has specific technical skills that I like in a striker, and they obviously think that they can improve those players. So they want to give them the opportunity, if not extended runs in the team. You know, so certainly the three and four game you know spells. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's and the, you know he's played the last three games and has looked promising. You know, so each time, so they clearly see something that they want to try and allow to develop and to grow and that like I say as I started is, is a very very confident transfer strategy it indicates that you've spotted something in those players and you have the confidence in your coaching staff to bring those skills out so you know it's a very mature you know attitude and, and I'm, I'm pleased with that as well you know not just like giving players three and four games and then bombing them out straight away uh, they've obviously looked at the players that they want to develop Nikola Vlasic was allowed to leave very very quickly they obviously didn't see enough in him even though he's doing quite well you know so where is at the moment it, again it's about confidence it's having the courage of your convictions and clearly you know the people in charge of the club do have that do you think chris that that conference as preno uh, speaks about will actually um permeate towards the fans because you know we all get whipped up into frenzies in january you know it's very easy to get caught up in you know a month of transfers and 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 and, and huge transfer fees spent and seeing what teams who we may consider rivals f- spending money willy-nilly but do you think that that confidence and that that calmness and a steady hand that that Marcel clearly has and and is articulating in our pieces today do you think that will transfer to the fan base and actually on deadline day if we haven't signed anybody and it doesn't look like Finch Farm's going to see any activity people will be like you know what comfortable with this yeah I'd like I'd like to think so. If I use as an example, um, the summer before last, um, twenty seventeen, uh, often had been difficult time for Evertonians over the summer when they they'd be typically under the Moyes era. They might have to wait towards the end of the window to do any significant business. But in twenty seventeen, from the off, as promised by the club's hierarchy, players were coming in, big money. There's a steady stream of signings. But when it all sort of got bogged down with the Gilfie Sigurdsson stuff and. Once the dust had settled there, there'd been a lot of spending. And a lot of those players ultimately didn't do the business and they were glaring holes in the in the strategy, notably after the aforementioned centre-forward and left-back position. So 
it's not just a, a case of going out there and spending here, sp- spending there. I think that the, the club will appreciate that there is a strategy in place and they're waiting for the, for the right players to come in. So if they don't come in in January, as we suspect him, that they will go and get proper targets in the summer. You speak about strategy as well, and that, that's a, a marked and, and almost tangible difference from the chaos of that summer that you spoke about in yeah. 2017, where the club spent record amounts, did business really early on, and it, and we were rightly you know, trumpeting that, and it was mm-hmm. it, it was really positive. But it did become clear, as you said, that there was, you know, there was different people at the football club going off at different tangents. They were signing their players they wanted. Cumin was maybe signing the players he wanted. Walsh was signing the players he wanted. But this feels yeah. very much that one man is really in charge here. Yeah, um, Marcel Brands has, has spoken about the um, the, the way he, he he's now um, operating in, di- in different areas. He's got a, a, a team who are looking at different geographical areas to identify specific sort of players. Whereas, like you said, under the previous regime, it was almost like, I, I mean, I've used this analogy before now, uh, all Beatles songs of Lennon and McCartney on, but you can tell which one's which. And you can <laughs> tell that a lot of the Everton signings, which was a Koeman signing, which was a... Um, a Walsh signing, whereas now everyone seems to be um, singing from the, s- the same heat and shit. And Marcel Brand is kind of correlating that all together with uh, actually going for specific targets which m- meet a strategy rather than just, oh, well, he, he's quite good. We, we, we'll have him. So I'm just, just on, um, in terms of sh- shaping and maybe influencing and maybe getting fans to, to, to second-guess their own opinions or, or think again. I'm going to read a, another quote from Marcel where he said, I think we are a very, very lucky club in England that we have three players with great potential who are just 21. We have Dominic, we have Richarlison, and we have Adamola. Do you think we as Evertonians have considered ourselves that fortunate to have those three? And do you think maybe we might take a step back now and Marcel said that and go, actually, he's, he's got a point? I think it's more taking a step back now that we've kind of got into this period now where, you know, midway through the season, obviously this should never be Everton's aim, but, you know, we're now not going to get relegated like touch wood. Uh, you know, this time last season, Allardyce had been in for about six weeks or so and there was still that kind of like lingering, there's been a lot of turnover in the club essentially, you know, things now have, have settled down a little bit and I think now we can start, you know, as B's mentioned there, the word strategy and, and, and making a strategy for the future as well and, and for the development of of these young players, you know, because they're obviously the three uh, high-ticket players forever, you know, the three that you would say have got standout potential, but, you know, there's there's other lads, you know, there is still, you know, Nikola Vlasic has downed Real Madrid twice out on loan at CSKA, you've got Anthony Robinson, who's always been impressive for the under-23s and on loan at Bolton and Wigan, you know, so I, th- I think we are in a good position, I don't think there's many clubs out there, <coughs> if at all, who've got these kind of players who, who, who can come in and make a difference these players performing at such high levels in the Premier League. You know, again, Richarlison, obviously, the standout, but Calvert-Lewin, been impressive in recent weeks. Luckman, there's definitely something there. So, yeah, I think I think definitely now we can use this second half of the season. You know, the quality in the Premier League isn't great. As I mentioned before, seventh is a realistic uh, target for us, and I think that, you know, we've really got to use these next 19 games to, to get Richarlison, to get Luckman, and to get Calvert-Lewin as much football uh, as possible, you know, Tom Davis as well. We can't forget about Tom, obviously captained Everton four times this season, which is no mean feat for a lad who's only just turned 20. So, you know, and I think it'd be nice for these lads to start playing. You know, last season, Luckman, Calvert-Lewin and Davis played in a team that was in turmoil, a team that lost all the games. You know, I think it'd be nice for these to experience winning football matches and putting a few little a few little wins together and, and moving up the table. 
It's, it's funny actually that you know Richarlison is like lumped into that group of young players because you don't you think of him as a young more. player because he cost a big transfer fee. You automatically assume he's the finished article. You know he's a polished, mature footballer, and he isn't. You know so he's a twenty-one-year-old South American playing in an you know alien culture in an alien country. So you know he's his development has been outstanding, and you know he will get better and better. You know so as he gets more and more accustomed to the country. Uh, Trying to stick with you on the next topic, Marcel. Um, Effectively, says he doesn't like to uh, surround himself with yes men. He likes different opinions because he said if it was up to him, the team would be with eleven huh. Sigurdsons. Um, eleven Sigurdsons wouldn't do too badly, would it? I'd be delighted with eleven Gilfie Sigurdsons. <laughs> I've, I've heard that quote before a long, long time ago. When uh, I think it was when Gordon Lee was trying to justify being in Duncan McKenzie, and it was um, a team of eleven Mick Lyonses. You know, so it would be what every Evertonian <laughs> wants because of his blue-blooded demeanour and because of his attitude. And he says, but that wouldn't work because you need variety. You need a mixture of footballers. And that's clearly what Marcel Brand means that, you know, so you need, as well as the, the artistry and the vision that Gilfie Sigurdsson has. And what a great pass, by the way, for Richarlison mm-hmm. at Burnley. Again, you know, he's got that in his locker. Um, but you need players that can uh, produce the running, can produce the tackles, you know, have got, you know, aerial ability. You know, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a mixture of, you he's know, sort of everything. But G- 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 Gilfie, yeah. It's funny, I'm not going to drop anybody in it here, but uh, one of the Everton hierarchy, should we say, was you know raising eyebrows at um, Sigurdsson's performances tail end of last season and wondering why the club had spent so much money on him. And I think, you know, so he's clearly being put right now this season because, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's a class act. And, you know, so he's got so many admirers, you know, sort of within the game. You hear so many other managers, you know, sort of singling him out and talking about the, uh, you know, the qualities he's got. And for me, my standout season, you know, my standout moment of the season so far is still that goal at Leicester. Yeah. What an absolute, you know, stunning piece Makes of football that was. Though, oh, it was wonderful, yeah. And, and even it, that pass against Burnley as well. He does. He's, he's absolute class. Now, Bernard's got that kind of ability. If he can do that more consistently and we've got two players like that in the squad doing it week in week out and suddenly we become a very very difficult team to handle mm. um bees we, we could spend hours sort of sifting through the various lines that marcel mm. has given us and you know urge, urge the listeners if they haven't had a chance to read it please do uh, on the echo website but um at the end of the second piece uh, that was out this morning uh, marcel spoke about signing andre gomez permanently it, yeah. it's it's no secret and, and Everton have never shied away from the fact that they want to turn the loan into a permanent deal um are you in any way encouraged by what marcel said that he basically said if the player makes it clear he wants to stay that helps me a lot are you are you yeah. more confident that actually come may we could be talking in more concrete terms about about andre staying yeah i think a big part in this is um the desire of the people at Everton, including the supporters, to show that love for Andre Gomez, which they have done, because okay, with his his standout performances, he's easy on the eye. There are going to be admirers and perhaps people who can offer Champions League football. Obviously, Absolutely, Tottenham yeah. have been mentioned, but he's been at Barcelona, which, along with their great rivals Real Madrid, are the two biggest football clubs in the world, and. That went very badly for him. Uh, obviously, he's still a contracted player there, but he spoke about it almost being a, a football hell for mm. him there. So the way he really struggled for happiness at Barcelona, I think if Bar- if Everton can show you that, that, that you're wanted, that you fit in well in here, that the people actually really like you, I think that there is something in that. I mean, obviously, there is the temptation of Champions League football if somebody else comes in. But as I said, he used Tottenham as an example. But I think um, the fact that he's, he's been so welcomed at Everton and both on, on and off the pitch, he's such a popular figure. I think that there is there's some 
there's something tangible in that which 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 could help um, secure him um, next summer. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We've organised a hugathon. Yeah. You know, so what more does yeah. he want? Yeah, Fans are hugging him. Can, you know? I, just, can I just grab him? Can <laughs> I just grab him? Not let him leave. No, you might get arrested. I, <laughs> I just hope that doesn't backfire. You know when the hugathon. Yeah, when Teddy from Norris Green and Perez well, catches too a hard cold or, or something. Or something yeah. Yeah. The ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that may. Yeah, that could go one of two ways, couldn't it? Um, no, it does, uh, but, yeah. you're absolutely right. I've said yeah. this before again about Duncan Ferguson, and uh, who was like quite. Uh, unequivocal about the possibility of staying at Everton beyond that initial three-month loan until he scored that goal against Liverpool, until he saw the reaction from the supporters, until he realised, wow, you know, so do you think a lot of me here? And, you know, it, it turned overnight. And so, you know, Gomez, clearly Everton fans, you know, so adore the guy straight away. You know, he's a proper midfielder. And, um, you know, that, you know, admiration is tangible. So, yeah, that can only help. Excellent. So we will uh, move on from uh, Mr. Brands and move on to uh, the games. Uh, obviously, a terrific response from Everton on Boxing Day as they thumped Burnley 5-1 at Turf Moor. Um, Preno, there's a great stat huh. that you do, uh, dug up or were made aware of uh, that you fired at me yesterday, which sort of highlights the remarkable turnaround from a 6-2 pummeling to a 5-1 uh, hiding uh, in the other direction. Well, yeah, you know, they, they say there's nothing new in the world and uh, there's absolutely nothing new in this because it's happened before. I can't take the credit. Billy Smith, the guy that puts together the, the quite magnificent uh, Blue Correspondent website, which if you've never looked at it, I'd urge you to. It's got a match report of every single Everton game in fact, not just a match report, uh, a newspaper clipping from every day uh, from Everson's formation, but almost back in 1878. And Billy's been diligently going to the library and transcribing them all, you know, so on his laptop and uploading them to his website. Amazing. He's now up to 1961. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely remarkable piece of work. Anyway, he tweeted the, uh, the other day that in 1955, Christmas, in the days when uh, they, they played, you know, every other day at that period, Everson played Birmingham City at St. Andrews on Boxing Day and got battered 6-2. The very next day, Birmingham came up to Goodison Park and got beat 5-1. So exactly the same thing happened. You know, so, OK, it wasn't home and away. You know, the way it happened this time. What was the, what was the uh, next result in that sequence, though? I had a little look further forward, and they won away uh, yes, handsomely. It wasn't a Brighton, fortunately, but it was 3-1. But if you're looking for, like, you know, historical milestones, Everson become the first team in football history to play their 4,500th top-flight game at Brighton on a Saturday. And, you know, they haven't played Brighton that many times uh, throughout their history because Brighton have been up and down the divisions. But when they reached the 3,000-match milestone, the first football club in the top flight to do that, that was at Brighton and Hove Albion at the old Goldstone ground, and they won 3-1. So, you know, there, there's the omen. Mm. A little 10 on 3-1 tomorrow. <laughs> um, Sam, who, who was the player that, that you caught your eye most uh, from, 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 from Burnley? And do you think, is, you know, was the best player for Everton on, on you know on a day when there was a lot of good performances? Uh, I think the player who impressed you and, and the best player probably two different questions from Saturday. I think Dean overall the, the best player uh, coming into his own. I know Adam wrote in his analysis that he's quickly proven himself to almost be Everton's best signing. Do, do you agree with that? I think that's a, I think that's a very good shout. I mean, I think I'd still edge Richarlison a little bit because there was so much pressure. As Dave said, you know, twenty one, you know, very very young lad. Doesn't really know, or still doesn't know the language. Does he speak English? Yet? I think a little bit. I was you know, going to say pigeon English, but it makes it sound <laughs> like a bit of a gag. <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> learned. We spoke to him. Um, he, he was going through the translator for 
for um, the interview, but um, he's having a lot of lessons, so yes. hopefully we up to So, so a lot of he's arrived, you know, still not fully grasping English, 21, scored nine goals in 17 Premier League games and completely wiped all the kind of ridicule away from, from that transfer phase. So I'd still say Richarlison been the best transfer, but Dean obviously getting close. But I'd say the person I was most impressed with, goalkeepers union, Pickford. Okay, thought, he, thought he needed a big performance. Uh, said it after the Tottenham game that you know there was going to be a lot of eyes on him. You know he is still England's number one out of everyone in the World Cup. Maybe a, him and Harry Maguire had a kind of jump in reputation, um, and at times this season it looked it looked like he struggled with that. I thought the save he made uh, was 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 underrated. Thought that was a really good save. His distribution was was pretty good all day. You know and, and just didn't didn't look flustered. And I, I think you know he, he had to bounce back with, with a big performance, and now he needs to continue that for the next few games. But he impressed me a lot on the weekend. Spoken like a true goalkeeper. <laughs> uh, no, I, I take that on board because uh, uh, there are a number of great performances, but the only reason I jumped in there is because I spoke to Kevin Ratcliffe yesterday. Yeah. Who um, And Kevin does get a bit of flack sometimes for being overly critical of Everton. That's because he's been the very best. Yes. You know, He's been part of a football team that has won absolutely everything. And if you talk to any of the players from that squad, Peter Reid, Andy Gray, they're all the same. You know, They all believe Everton should be the absolute best. That's what Kevin thinks. And he was very critical of Jordan. He says, three errors that have created goals or caused goals this season it's just too much it's not good enough and I said well what do you do about it do you drop him because he's England's number one goalkeeper and he goes well no you don't he says but he's got to eradicate those you've got to you know basically tell him straight and work with him to eradicate them and a lot of it is his youth I think it's his impetuosity he's so desperate to be involved all the time and you know that's why possibly goalkeepers improve as they get older and you know mature and you know the best that we've seen at Everson since Neville Southall retired is Nigel Martin by a country mm. mile and that's because he was possibly so mature and so experienced when he came to Everson and I think that will come to Pickford in time and you know decisions you know trying to play the ball out quickly from defence maybe he won't be as impetuous in future trying to stop the ball going out for corners and just you know, just flipping it over the top you might start doing those in future yeah and when you say that Brandon, I, I was thinking uh, probably most people's Pickford's best goalkeeper in the league would be David De Gea and, and I always when I always think about David De Gea he could he could be doing nothing for eighty nine minutes, yeah, but, yeah. but when he's called upon, he makes the right decision or pulls out the right save, and that's a sign of a top class. Hundred percent. And and when he started at United, he had a I wouldn't say torrid, but he had he had a, a shaky you know sort of yeah. first six months Absolutely. twelve months. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a young footballer, you know, so he's a young goalkeeper, and you know Pickford has all the qualities required. And whenever you speak to him, you always get the impression that he's a man that wants to improve, and he's aware when he makes mistakes, but he's also very mentally strong and aware that he's got to respond to those mistakes, you know, so positively. Otherwise, you know, he won't just get flack, he'll lose his place. So, you know, we're not suggesting that should happen. You know, so he clearly is a very, very talented goalkeeper. But there have been, you know, one or two errors too many this season. And, you know, just need to get them, you know, eradicated quickly. It's perfectly summed up though, isn't it? You know, you would be worried if he was, you know, dropping balls through his hands or, you yeah. know, if it was anything in his technique. All three, you know, West Ham, Liverpool and obviously the one against Spurs, all three goals that have came from his from his individual errors have just been decision making and the difference bit mistakes each time as well yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it's one of them you know I think as you're saying as he gets older he, he will learn he's probably learned from all three of them now you know you'd be very surprised now if he came rushing out of his box like he did against yeah. Spurs or you know be very hard to recreate the one against Liverpool obviously but you know there's, there's, there's no worries for me with Pickford you know I think there's, yeah. especially with social media now a lot of people reactionary and see some people saying, how's Pickford keeping his place? And 
you know, Dente is England's number one. Correct. Everton's best player last season by yes. 10 million yeah. country miles, you know, <laughs> saved Everton from... I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. <laughs> <laughs> saved Everton from a, a lot of embarrassment, won Everton a lot of points, and, you know, he, he will show his worth in, in the second half of the season. There's no doubt about that. So if, 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 he's if making, Jordan's listening, he wants to send no, that free yeah. shirt. <laughs> if he's making the same mistake regularly, yeah, then, you got, then you've got you know, time to, you know, to worry. But no, there, there have been isolated errors and there have been different types of errors, which is reassuring in some respects. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, we need to see a little bit less of them, thank you. I think this is a unique position for both Jordan Pickford and for Everton, um, with him being England's number one now. Yeah. Because obviously Neville Southall was the best player in the world in his position when he played for Everton and he, and he was playing all the time for his country, but that was Wales and it was a totally different era. I think have Everton for the first time in Everton's history, having the the, pro, the England number one goalkeeper and the way that the media spotlight is on any England player now, particularly the goalkeeper where any mistake you make is going to prove um, costly. I think whatever he does just for Everton <coughs> is going to come under so much scrutiny because he's England's number one. And he has made errors of judgment. But I just think you've, you've, got, to, you've got to be fair to, to Jordan Pickford. And I think a lot of people... Haven't been unfair. I mean, I find it ridiculous all this thing about his height. He's he's the same height as Neville Southall's the same height as me, six foot one. Yeah, you wouldn't describe me as squat. Um, <laughs> wouldn't describe you as a goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> but for people to for people to say <laughs> that he's he's small, I know people are bigger now than a generation ago. So <laughs> yeah. um the goalkeepers do tend to be a bit bigger. But he's not small. He's he's six no, he's, he's six yeah. foot one. So people yeah. make out that he's small. And this ridiculous thing, which I don't know, I'd love somebody to get a tape measure out. I think it's a lie personally. That Where's he going? He's now? got that he's got short arms, all, <laughs> oh, all, right. this, all this T Rex nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Prano's next very time, concerned yeah, for a minute yeah, there. down at Finch Farm Phil. Because I'd love somebody to put that out because Again, it's there you go. We're talking about buzzwords for 2018. It's fake news. Yeah. This idea that, ne- that yeah. Jordan Pickford has got small. You can say, yeah, he's made a, t- a terrible mistake in the derby, or he's rushed out rashly against Tottenham. Yeah, they're mistakes. But these these lies which are being perpetuated about Jordan Pickford, about his his physique, I think it's unfair. It's, it's scrutiny. Well it's yeah. it's scrutiny. It's the modern you know sort of landscape. Unfortunately, you know, it's uh, football is. In the, under the spotlight like it never has been before. Social media does that. Yeah. And yeah, so, you know, any slight perceived, you know, sort of yeah. fault is going to be magnified ridiculously. Prenup, to quickly stay with you before we get everybody's predictions for the game with Brighton. Uh, another element of Ratsy's column was about Luca Dean. As yeah. I mentioned, his excellent performance at Burnley, two goals, brilliant display. Rats is actually a little bit worried, isn't he? Well, yeah, he just thinks that, you know, he has been so good that he thinks there's a potential for, you know, clubs to start coveting him. And, you know, he thinks there's a dearth of very, very good left-backs in the Premier League. He highlighted Man United as, you know, so maybe lacking Man City, you know, brought a couple in in the past, but, you know, they've got injury problems, you know, in that position. So he just thinks that there could be uh, an issue with clubs, you know, so maybe trying to poach him in the future. He's only been here a few months, so I can't see that being uh, an immediate problem. And for me, it, it's a tribute to how quickly he's settled and, you know, it's how, how well he's done. Um, I mean, to me, the, the biggest tribute you can play to him, uh, pay to him, is the fact that Leighton Baines, who was like, you know, played every minute of every match for God knows how many seasons, has just been bombed without trace. And no one's even, like, raised an eyebrow uh, because he's been so good when he's come in. Um, he, he looks... 
and a similar kind of mould to Baines in terms of fitness. You know, he's a guy that, you know, wants to play every minute of every match and can play week in, week out. I mean, you'd imagine that, you know, Marcus Silva might, you know, shuffle his pack a little bit, you know, for the game at Brighton, the game at Leicester, because they come around, you know, so, so quick and so fast. But you'd be surprised if Dean's one of them uh, because he's a guy who just looks so fit. Well, isn't that, uh, uh, the point, isn't that a backhanded compliment to Bainesy that Everson have gone out and found a player who was almost like Mim- Baines, him. Yes, yeah. in his peak. Yeah, he does. I mean, that goal he scored at Burnley, that, that reminded me uh, of the goal Baines he scored up at Newcastle uh, a yeah. few years ago. Yeah. You know, similar kind of strike. And we haven't really seen that from Leighton, you know, so for a few years. Um, you know, that, that part of his game was probably, you know, diminishing a little. You know, other parts of his game was still up to scratch. But, you know, he's 34, 35, as you know, some, you can't quite reproduce what he was reproducing back then. So, yeah, they've identified somebody uh, that can do that. And we're not going to start this big debate now, but mm. maybe the other flank is an area that you know, Everton might be looking at in the near future. Indeed. I think the, the, the thing is as well, it's difficult sometimes to look at, but you've, you've got to accept it. It's got to come if you want to become a club that challenges in the top six, in the top four. The other yeah. players are going to go, uh, sorry, other clubs going to go, hang on, that Richarlison's good, that Dean's good. You know, and, but it shouldn't be something to fear because if you're going to grow as a club, you know, you need to convince players, you know, this is the right, the right place to be. Sometimes offers will come in that are simply too good to refuse. You know, you look at Tottenham with Bale, Liverpool with Coutinho, and, and although yeah. it's difficult it's to kind of accept, is, yeah. Tottenham are now six points off the top of the Premier League, Liverpool are top of the Premier League. Players will always come and go. It's about then identifying, like what we've almost done, you know, with Baines, with players we've lost in the past. You know, Richarlison, maybe almost finally some kind of replacement for Lukaku. Maybe, you know, we are still looking for that. But, you know, I, I want players to be linked with other, other teams because it only means that they're doing well forever. And if all 11 players are linked with big clubs, then there's probably a good chance you're near the top of the league. So, you know, Brands and Silver, again, makes it more difficult for them, but they have to not only convince the, the, the big players and the good players so, like they have done so far to come to Everton, they need to convince them to stay at Everton. It's happened throughout history when Everton and Blast were a very, very, very good side. I mean, how many of their players were targeted? Gary Lineker, they allowed to leave to go to Barcelona. Neville Southall, they didn't. I mean, how often did Alex Ferguson try and uh, convince Neville Southall to go down the East Langs Road? So, yeah, it's all about you know, sort of convincing those players that Goodison is the place that they can develop their futures and win things. Indeed, well said, chaps. Uh, so before we finish today's Royal Blue podcast, the customary predictions from the, the lads, uh, Brighton and Hove Albion versus Everton on Saturday, December the 29th. Chris Beasley, your yeah. prediction. Uh, I went to Brighton last time. I had his Phil and Sam this time and uh, 12 trains it was for me. Um, <laughs> You've never mentioned no, the 12 trains. No, New Brighton please. to Brighton, 12 tra- trains. Which way did you go? New <laughs> Brighton Glasgow. to Brighton. Yeah, no, it was because the work was Sounds like his autobiography. Yeah. It is. Chris <laughs> Beasley. <laughs> yeah. Well, and... Uh, that was in the last days of the, the Cumin rain. It wasn't so good. Everton needed a last gasp penalty to, yes. to get a draw there, one all. So I'm going to be a bit more confident this time, a bit more positive. Back-to-back away wins for the Blues, 2-1. Oh, we love it. Lovely. <laughs> Preno. Oh, gosh. I, I watched Brighton the other night against Arsenal and was very impressed. Uh, despite the record over the last, like, 10 games, which isn't great, uh, th- th- they still look like a real difficult team to overcome they work hard they're organised you know got a decent manager in Chris Hutton you know so Murray's a nuisance they're just it's a tough team normally I'd be edging towards a draw but no I just think that you know the confidence that was gleaned from the win at Burnley 
you know, so a couple of players on a high. He's got a tough selection dilemma to solve as well, given that, you know, Garner Gay's uh, fit again. I just like the balance of the midfield when him and Gomez are together. So I'm going to go for a narrow away win, 2-1, which will be a hell of a result, you know, so given how few home games Brighton actually lose. Absolutely. And just before I get Sam's prediction, uh, Gav Buckland, the regular Royal Blue podcast guest, uh, unavailable today, not feeling too well, so get well soon, Gav, uh, said that a win on Saturday would be the first time that Everton had won twice away from home over Christmas since 1984-85. <laughs> so there you have it, Sam. Prediction. Well, the the history books are all pointing towards 3-1, aren't they? I'm not one to mess with ancient history, so, <laughs> you know, don't want to jinx us. I'll, I'll be uh, saying 3-1 and Richarlison first goal is my scorecast for anyone who is interested in well, that. That's that 3-1 when Nick Lyons scored the first goal, big centre-half, so it's Yeri again. Yeah, yeah. Back-to-back go. I agree, I'm confident. I think that a, f- a similar formation set up to, to, to Boxing Day suits Everton at the minute, so I'm also going to go uh, 3-1 to the Blues. Phil? I know. Just copy me? Well, yeah. <laughs> As in life. <laughs> anyway, chats, thank you very much for your company and thank you for listening to the latest Royal Blue podcast. You can subscribe to us and rate and review on iTunes and the Acast app, so please do that all uh, feedback very much welcome uh, and thank you for listening so you've been listening to the royal blue podcast in association with sport pacer you've been listening to the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo